Hello everyone, and welcome to the Actis Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actis. My name is Rebecca Hendren, and I am the Director of Programming for Actis, and I'm your host for today's program, which is part of our Talking CDI series. In every episode of this series, I'm joined by a special guest, such as a member of the Actis Advisory Board, or one of our expert bootcamp instructors to discuss a topic pertinent to today's CDI profession. And today I am joined by Kim Connor, BSN, CCDS, CCDSO. Kim is a CDI education specialist for Actis and HC Pro, where she teaches Actis bootcamps, and she also serves as a subject matter expert for the association. Kim and I are going to talk about patient safety indicators today, but before I welcome Kim and we start talking, I wanted to remind you that the Actis podcast now offers 0.5 Actis CEUs for the first two days after airing, which you can use towards your CCDS or your CCDSO recertification requirements. I'm going to give you those instructions at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. And also, before we get started, it's time for a brief interlude from today's sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by the Leadership in CDI Bootcamp. Actis is proud to offer a new certificate program for CDI leaders and those looking to grow into a leadership role. Earn your certificate in CDI leadership with the Leadership in CDI Bootcamp from the experts at Actis. Graduates of the program earn the right to call themselves Actis-approved CDI leaders. Find out more about the program at actis.org slash CDI leadership or by using the link in today's show notes. And now back to the show. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. And today we're going to talk about a topic that I know brings a lot of stress to a lot of people, and that is patient safety indicators and just quality metrics in general. So I'm hoping that we're going to you know, bring a little bit more clarity to folks, a little bit more understanding. So I wondered if you would start off just talking to me about what is a patient safety indicator? It's a great question. It's a great first question to ask. Um, you know, a, a lot of programs, CDI programs now are, uh, are starting to get more involved with quality metrics. PSIs are, are, are on the, that forefront. So the Agency for the Healthcare Research and Quality, which is the AHRQ, kind of developed these uh, patient safety indicators. And really what they're intended to do is, is provide some information on potentially avoidable safety events that can happen in a, in a hospital setting. Um, it does represent opportunity for improvement of delivery of care to you know, our patients. And typically, you know, PSIs are assigned following surgeries, procedures, childbirth. So again, this is a little bit more procedure related, uh, not every single one of them, but um, most of them are. And really it's not about uh, and I gotcha type of situation, they really are looking for the worst of the worst events so they can take a look at things and say, how can we do this better? And ultimately the patient benefits on, you know, down, with that downward flow because we're improving patient care, we're improving patient safety, uh, which really ultimately improves patient outcomes. Uh, I know PSIs and, and quality in general gets a little technical, um, but there is a lot of clinical to it as well. And once again, CDI is, is pretty well positioned to, to help out in this arena um, to appropriately capture 
and uh, appropriately eliminate uh, inadvertent capture of, of PSIs. These are publicly reported. So we want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward uh, in an appropriate manner. That's great. Um, so you, there are a lot of PSIs and then there's this composite of PSA 90. So how does that work? So <clears throat> there is a laundry list of, of PSIs out there um, and we have to report on every single one of them, not just the ones that are in the composite score for PSI 90. Um, but PSI 90 is actually, um, it, it, it's made up of 10 different uh, PSIs, selected PSIs. Uh, they're all differently weighted. Um, and we do use that composite score in different uh, programs uh, like the, the hack reduction program, which is a penalty program um, that Medicare has put out. And it actually takes away for the, I always say that in this case, it's not good to be in the top 25%. The top 25% of worst performing hospitals out there uh, are penalized 1% of all their Medicare dollars. And when we look at that, uh, and we say, well, it's 1%. What's the big deal? Well, 1% of billions of dollars is a lot of money. So how we start to calculate that out, and I always use the analogy of a dumpster. <laughs> so if you've ever done a home uh, improvement project in your kitchen or your bathroom, you typically will have a dumpster in your backyard or your driveway or something like that. And you know, by the end of that project, you're paying by the weight. No matter what goes in there, you're paying by the weight and the composite score doesn't work much differently than that. So if, if you start equating some of the lower weighted PSIs, um, you know, I say that's the linoleum floor. You can put a ton of that stuff and it really doesn't weigh a lot. Right. Um, uh-huh. But eventually yep. it, it right. will start <laughs> to add Once up. Once you've taken up the whole ground floor. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, 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 it doesn't weigh that much. So now you start, okay, now I got to take the kitchen cabinets out. Now I might decide I'll save some of the cabinets, put them in the basement. I could probably use them because I don't really want to put that many in there because I know I'm adding to that weight. Um, and then there's the PSIs that I will call like those are your cabinets. Um, so they're kind of halfway in between. And then there's kind of your granite countertop. So even a four by four square foot of a granite countertop weighs a lot. So just one putting that in that, you know, PSI 90 dumpster um, is going to weigh a lot. So you know that you're going to pay by that weight. So the composite score is made up that way. So you have 10 PSIs, none of them are equally weighted. So some of them are going to be very light. They're 1% of the entire composite score, where others like PSI 11, I believe is 20, almost 25% of the composite score. So those are your granite countertops where we look at those like the post-op sepsis, post-op respiratory failure, um, you know, uh, uh, pressure injuries, stage threes and stage fours, those are heavily weighted PSIs. So, you know, especially when programs are just starting out, CDI programs are starting out um, in quality and they're looking at PSIs, typically that's what you're going to see is them focus on the heavier weighted ones. Or So your things like your, like those examples you just gave are the granite countertops in your, in your dumpster. Yes. Those are really weighted. So those are the ones oh. that people should be focusing on more? Um, I think we do focus on them, um, you know, but again, depending on the organization's need, like what's the pain point, um, you know, quality may have a good handle on the heavier weighted ones and really are looking for more of an assist on kind of those medium ones that are the cabinets, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and how we can help uh, reduce that as well. So, uh, but 
typically when CDI programs are starting out in that quality area and they're looking at PSIs, usually it's because there's a problem, you know, a bigger problem with each one of them. So we want to make sure that we're identifying where those pain points are first. Like we don't want to just you know, open the door and go, okay, we're going to do every single one. Um, you know, there's only so much CDI can do as well when it comes to this stuff uh, during record reviews. But, you know, every organization is going to have different problems uh, and different pain points. So what impact do these PSIs have on your organization? So, you know, it has several, you know, different arms to it. Uh, like I said before, uh, the PSI 90 composite score actually does play a role in the calculation for the hack reduction program, uh, once again, which is a penalty program uh, from CMS. Uh, The the composite score also can contribute to your health grades, um, like LeapFrog and and Care Compare, uh, which is Medicare site for anybody to go out there and look at how every hospital is doing compared to other hospitals as well. So I, I say there's an indirect cost because once again, this stuff is publicly reported. So when you take a look and say, well, I'm going to, you know, base my decision on how well a safety grade is, where I'm going to go for my care. So is somebody going to choose your hospital because you provide safe care versus a hospital that maybe not as much? Um, You know, I always think about when I'm on vacation, too. I'm in an area typically that I don't really know. I don't know the hospital systems that are around. And if something was to happen, what would I be doing? Well, I'd be getting online and taking a look. You know, gone are the days where we sit there and say, you know, go to this hospital and go see that doctor. Everything is online for everybody to see. So there is an indirect cost to facilities because are you getting patients in through the door, new patients? Are you able to provide care to patients that are already existing or are they going somewhere else because somebody else does it a little bit better? And, and we don't just look at PSI 90 when it comes to, to safety grades. You know, we now have PSI-04, um, you know, which can be a little bit problematic because once again, it is a, a PSI that is public, publicly reported on Care Compare. Okay. And the, the way it is worded, <laughs> I always kind of get, you know, I, I sit back and go, you know, the lay person out there may or may not really understand what that all means, which is, you know, preventable, complications, you know, deaths, you know, from preventable complications from surgery, that's out there for everybody to see. So even though it may not be part of composite score 90, uh, PSI 90, it is a, a metric we report out on, and it is a, a metric that is, is easily seen by the public. So what's, an, what's a preventable, you know, post-op complication? It, so we're talking shock, we're talking sepsis, you know, not everybody's going to know what those elements are. They're going to just look at something and say, well, one hospital does it better than the other. That's where I'm going to go. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it does have a lot of impact in a lot of different areas, you know, and, and PSI 04, I believe in fiscal year, uh, calendar, fiscal year 2024, uh, it is now part of the inpatient quality reporting program. Oh, wow. So we're reporting it out for different reasons again. So it can impact us in many different areas when it, when uh, for our organizations. So what role does CDI have, and what role can CDI specialists play in appropriately reducing these PSIs? As always, I feel like CDI is um, 
kind of that translator. We're always in a great position to help everybody else you know? <laughs> um, because we're always kind of that middleman. I feel like we're always that, you know, we understand the quality components. We understand the coding components where coding might not understand the quality components and quality might understand, not understand the, the coding components and education that's provided to the, to the physicians and the providers out in our organizations as well. You know, quality is looking for very specific things uh, and very specific documentation where they might not hit all the notes, you know, understanding the documentation elements that are required for coding. You know, so when we, when we start to develop these programs, CDI understanding the nuance, um, exclusion and inclusion criteria when it comes to PSIs, working with quality departments and coding departments as well to, you know, establish almost like a committee uh, to sit back, sit down and say, all right, how are we doing now? Let's benchmark it now. Um, you know, and then how are we going to measure this moving forward? How are we going to start calculating these things? Uh, how are we going to start educating our providers to maybe let them understand you may be getting queries for us asking you for present on admission status for this purpose to exclude the, appropriately exclude the PSI because we want to make sure that this is coded correctly. Uh, we don't want to inadvertently trigger something. We don't want to inadvertently capture something simply because there's a question on whether some a condition was present on admission or not. Uh, understanding that inclusion and exclusion criteria as well. Every PSI has its own inclusion and exclusion criteria. So there's a little bit of nuance to that. And then once again, going to your providers and educating them to say, you may be seeing queries that are asking you for, you know, thrombocytopenia, you know, present on admission, because we know that that's, you know, exclusion criteria for PSI-09, we'll say, um, which is the post-op uh, hemorrhage and hematoma. So making sure that we're capturing that disease appropriately and present on admission is going to exclude us from that PSI. So it's understanding kind of all of those regulations, all of that nuance, uh, and really, once again, being the translators and educators throughout the health system. So you said just then something about a PSI being inadvertently triggered. How does that happen? We, we would like to say that it doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah. But there, there are some, uh, there are some issues out there. And, you know, like I said, every, every PSI actually has, a, you know, its own, you know, codes to be included and codes that exclude and, and whatnot. Um, but there are very specific things that potentially can uh, inadvertently uh, trigger a PSI. And, and I know, nationally, and we, we've gotten a lot of questions on this as well, PSI 15, which is the accidental tears and lacerations. And, you know, I, I can tell you 10 years ago, this was a, a really big deal. Um, the accidental punctures and lacerations were for any surgery out there. Uh, they were heavily weighted. Uh, so we really tried uh, to focus and drill down on this. And surgeons actually uh, went to bat. They went to the American College of, of Surgeons. The American College of Surgeons worked with the AHRQ to really say, what are you really trying to get here? What are you really looking for? So they really kind of narrowed things down. And this and the criteria is very specific on this particular one. And really, it's about did you nick something and have to go back in to fix the problem. So there has to be a second surgery that's triggering this PSI. So it's abdominal pelvic surgeries only. And so 
a lot of uh, the questions that have been coming in for this particular PSI, because once again, it's not a heavily weighted, it's kind of one of those, I, I would say, kitchen cabinet uh, type of weight. Um, but if you get a lot of it, now that that's going to weigh a lot. What you're paying out is, is by the weight. And so what we figured out was the insertion of an NG tube after surgery was actually triggering the PSI. So we did a little bit of homework and hopefully this will be a nice, you know, good news for people out there that are, you know, coming up against this problem is that there is a coding clinic out there from 2015 that specifically states you do not need to code as an insertion of an NG tube. So it doesn't need to be there. So that's an education point for your your quality team because they don't know coding. It's a great education point for your coding team because they think that they're supposed to be doing that and you know they don't understand why it would be a bad thing to code it or what it's impacting. So you can see across the board where those gaps are, you know, where that Swiss cheese is and it's it's a simple fix. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. Yeah. And so here's the coding guideline. And then hopefully we're not inadvertently triggering that based on the fact that a patient had to have an NG tube put back in or didn't have one to begin with and they ended up having to put one in because uh, it's not uncommon for patients after abdominal surgeries to have an ileus. So, you know, it, and once again, not uncommon treatment to put an NG tube uh, to decompress their stomachs. So that's what was triggering it. So if we know that and we know that we don't have to code it, there and we've got backup from coding clinic this is great <laughs> so. right right so what what other tips do you have for cdi professionals you know i think um you know we 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 was talking earlier that i was very fortunate when i started my cdi career that quality was always a part of my process um so as i learned cdi i learned quality as well and it, you know and, and it's very interesting and I, I just assumed everybody did that. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's not overly accurate. Um, I think that when you get started, uh, once again, it, it's working with departments. It's listening to one another. Um, you know, when, when when I talk quality to quality people, I'm like, nothing irritates a CDI and a coder more than when a, a quality person comes up to us and says, this isn't coded right. Uh, <laughs> so, because uh, you, you got to sit there and say, well, actually it is. And, um, you know, but it, it's working together. It's establishing those relationships. It's delivering consistent messages. So when you're delivering uh, a message, um, you know, based on these PSIs, when you're trying to educate providers that you're all on the same page, that you're all talking the same language, that quality hasn't come out and said, hey, we need you to do this. And now CDI is coming out and saying, well, wait a minute, we need you to do the opposite. So it's really about, you know, aligning those processes, aligning those departments, you know, quality departments, just like any other department nowadays are stretched very thin and more and more and more is going to get put on their plates. And it seems like more and more and more, you know, because CDI is in such a unique position, like I said earlier, to help other departments we start to get stretched a little thin, right? You know, right. so number one, it becomes, you know, what is your focus? You know, are you going to focus more on quality metrics? Because more and more value-based programs are at the forefront. It is how we're getting paid. So we're trying to get away from that fee for, uh, for service, really get more into value-based quality uh, care 
wellness, um, you know, promoting wellness and, and preventing illness. So being able to kind of assist in that arena, especially when it comes to PSIs, because once again, we don't want to artificially get um, get dinged on something that that really we shouldn't be getting dinged on. So absolutely. Well, this has been really helpful. Um, and I know you had given me in advance uh, information on where you can find the, the specific PSIs. So we will include that in the show notes, which I think will be helpful for people. And I also think, you know, so every, you know, they change their specs every, usually, you know, they might update them once a year, but usually every couple of years, there's kind of a little bit of an overhaul, but um, this website will definitely bring you to the most recent. Um, You know, I encourage anybody, if this is the area that you're getting into is make sure you visit that website, take a look at those specs, take a look at the codes that are associated um, with, with PSIs. Take a look at your exclusion criteria. Um, that's going to be very important because once again, CDI plays that role to say, I've identified this as a potential PSI. I've identified that this patient has, you know, and it meets exclusion criteria, but nobody's documented a diagnosis. I'm going to send a query to the provider based on what I know from these specs. So you really get very detailed specs at this website. So I strongly encourage anybody to go and take a look. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim as much as I did. As always, if our audience has any questions about this topic, you can feel free to email the Actus team at info at actus.org. We'll also put that email in today's show notes, which are available on the show page at actus.org and also in your podcast app. So you can grab the address from there. And don't worry, the show notes will also contain the link that Kim and I were just talking about. So you can find the PSI page on the AHRQ website. Now it's time for something completely different, the Actus Update, which is our regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. Which, as it's August, means that CDI Week is next month. The the year is going so quickly and we are almost in September. So CDI Week is being celebrated September 18th through the 22nd. And this year's theme is CDI Success Stories, Writing Your Next Chapter. And the Actors team are insatiable readers, and we like nothing more than discussing the latest book we couldn't put down and recommending it to our co-workers. That's how I get all the titles that I read because I am uh, recommended it by my colleagues. So this theme could not be more perfect for us. And the theme conveys how the profession of CDI is an ongoing journey and that you CDI professionals have a blank page in front of you and you can decide how to tell your own tale. So the CDI Week poster is out now and you can find it on the website under the CDI Week section. This link is also in this week's show notes. And the poster depicts a cozy little bookshop where you could while away an afternoon looking for interesting reads, maybe petting a cat. I always feel like every good bookshop ought to have a resident cat. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, please take a moment to enjoy the titles of the classic books in the window. No doubt some future Pulitzer Prize winners in there. See if you can spot them. We hope you enjoy using this theme to plan your CDI Week activities, and we cannot wait to see what you get up to. And like every year, the results of the industry survey will serve as the cornerstone of all our CDI Week activities. So we can't wait to dig into that valuable industry insight when it comes out next month. And finally, I wanted to share that the application period 
for the Actus Leadership Council has opened. That is open now until August 31st. The Actus Leadership Council is now entering its fifth year of existence, and it is a place for forward-thinking leaders and managers to learn from each other and grow their management skills, all while they advance their organization's strategic priorities and also learn more about trends in the industry. If you have any questions, you can always reach us at info at And as always, you can find the link for more information on all of these updates in today's show notes. And that does bring us to the end of our program. Don't forget your CEs. We do now offer 0.5 Actus CEUs that can be used toward recertifying your CCDS or CCDSO credential for those who listen to the show in the first two days from the time of publication. So to receive those 0.5 CEUs, you must go to the show page on actus.org by clicking on the Actus podcast link under the resources tab. And then you simply click on today's episode from the list on that page. Then follow the instructions in the show notes for today's episode. Your certificate will be automatically emailed to you upon submitting the very brief evaluation. And the cutoff for today's episode is Friday, August 4th at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you're not eligible for the CEUs for this week's episode. But never fret, there are always new ones coming up in two weeks. If you listen to all the episodes all year and claim all the CEUs for the podcast podcast episodes, you can earn 13 free active CEUs for the year. So that's pretty impressive. That's a fair amount. So with that, I think we've reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We will be back in two weeks on Wednesday, August 16th for our next show. And that's going to be part of our Conversations with Carla series with our editor and product coordinator, Carla Kozak. If you want to receive reminders about each episode, you can do that. Just make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly e-newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episodes when they are released. And that's every other Wednesday, as it has always been. So you can listen to the show anytime, whether you listen to it as soon as it comes out or anytime at your leisure on the Access website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app may be. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you would take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by D. Yan Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics or any questions at all, please email us at infoactus.org. Until next time, take care, everyone.